0: We have to have the conversations about Mennonites also. We have to have the conversations about different types of Anabaptists.
1: Right, because everybody just assumes when you see a head covering
0: that or a plain looking person, they're Amish.
1: Right. Um, Yeah. So he was like, he didn't know what Mennonites were, but he knew what Amish were. Oh my...
0: Good morning, folks. It appears there may be an issue with streaming to Facebook today. I don't know what the issue is, but here we are. Let me see if I can resolve it. Regardless, this live stream may discuss trauma of all sorts to include all types of abuse. Viewers and listeners may find it unsettling and triggering. The guests on our live streams are a diverse set of of guests who reflect diverse set of values, morals, and ethics that may not reflect the morals, values, and ethics of the Misfit Amish. If this live stream causes you distress, please seek support from your trusted folks and qualified mental health professionals as needed. Also, cease listening until you're able to listen again. With that being said, I'd like to welcome Jessica and Lori. Stephanie will not be joining us today as she is otherwise engaged. Good morning.
2: Good morning. morning.
0: Mm-hmm. How y'all doing? Well <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's been a it's been an interesting couple of weeks, but um I'm here.
0: You're here? Yes. I don't know what's happening with this whole Facebook thing, by the way. It just tells me there's an error and an issue.
2: Oh um, that's weird.
0: That is very weird and strange. It's almost like I'm technologically impaired. Let me see if I can
2: fix it.
0: Who knows? Maybe my my gay coffee cup will help out.
2: It might give you that little bit of extra mojo there.
0: We're trying again. Maybe the second time is the charm. Oh, it looks like it went through. Yay. Oh, we're joined by Lucy. First time I've been able to make it to a live stream. So thrilled. It's 1 a.m. though in Australia, so I might have to leave partway through and get some Z's. Hey, that's completely fine. Thank you for tuning in. That's so, so cool. That is so cool. You know, I never thought I'd be talking to people around the world sometimes like about <laughs> like some of the things that I see. Did y'all think about that? I didn't,
1: not until just now, but that's right. pretty and that's also dedication. One o'clock, I'm usually
0: like out, same, well, or at least trying to be. Because let's be real. Let me be real here. Some days, one o'clock a.m. is just par for the course. Let me hop in and listen.
2: <laughs> it's been two a.m. for me lately, so <laughs> it's been great over here.
0: <laughs> but anyways, so we are gathered today to talk about another booklet because, you know, we took a little hiatus and a break over the summer from talking about these booklets. But this one is to a boy of 12. Who would like to start? Is there anything?
2: Uh, <laughs> um, I
1: get, you know, he starts off as he does in pretty much every book with um, a story, and, you know, I do appreciate that about the culture is that, you know, things are told in stories. Um, <clears throat> I also noted that my the first thing I noticed that was that um, he compared puberty to um, a white rapids or like going over rapids and like dangerous. Mm-hmm. And I thought, what child needs to hear that? That's, scary like why would you do that to your child that was i noticed
0: are you talking about on page four Mm -hmm. let me tell you that you are like that boy in front of your days riding down the river with his father your life lies ahead of you as the river lay ahead of that father and son Up until now, your life has been like a river that flowed smooth and quiet. Your childhood days have probably passed fairly smoothly, but now you are 12 years old, and your father, having traveled this river when he was a boy your age, is warning you that there are rapids ahead, places in the river of life where there are dangerous rocks and currents, tricky currents. There are treacherous bends in the river, dark, angry, foam-flecked waters that can overturn a canoe very quickly. There is a name for that place in the River of Life, where where the rabbits are. It is called Puberty. What do you
2: think of that analogy? It was so scary, like, for a 12-year-old, especially if that 12-year-old has actually seen White Rapids before. Why are we scaring children?
0: You know, that's a good question. I also want to say this. Like, I can't possibly know what it's like to have been raised as a, as a boy right. with these teachings. Mm-hmm. and And I want people to understand that I'm just looking at this as somebody who is raised in parallel teachings, but as a raised as a girl. Okay. So my perspective is probably going to be missing things. And I want you to know that.
1: Right. Cause boys and girls are raised extremely differently in, plain, mm-hmm. in
0: communities. Boys are raised with the expectation of they're going to be, the leader of the home, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to be the provider. They have different expectations. So I can't know what that's like. I can know what it's like to be expected to submit to that boy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah that, part. That's, that, yeah, that part. That's the part I know about. I don't know about this. I just know that as like somebody who is raised parallel to as like the, the other part of this, like what my perspective is. So I want to make that very clear to all of our listeners. I know that there's um you know Sam. I I don't know, do y'all know um cross-eyed unicorn on TikTok? He... He talks about how he was raised sometimes, like, and he was raised as a boy in this type of culture, mm-hmm. if I understand correctly. We should so, have had a boy, Um, not a boy, a male join us that was, I didn't even think about that. I actually asked three different males that I know that were raised in this environment, and none of them felt like it was the right time for them to be present.
1: Okay, we respect that.
0: And okay. I respect that. I want them to uh, to have autonomy to speak when they're able to. Absolutely. And when it actually is helpful to them, not to feel like they're being pressured into it, but rather so that they have the ability to speak truth to power and actually acknowledge and have validated experiences when they do speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with that being said, why are we teaching children to be afraid of puberty when puberty in and of itself is a natural body function? It is a natural consequence of being human. Every child goes through puberty in some form, shape, or way.
2: I also thought at the beginning, like within the first, let's see, the first two pages, they literally are taking away their childhood at 12. Uh-huh. So not only are you afraid and you're you're starting off into puberty afraid, but you're also looking at yourself as if you're a man and you're you're 12. Yeah. I don't know. So that's good. just I kept I kept like re-realizing that this whole book was written to a 12-year-old. I think when
0: you read it with that perspective in mind, is like, I don't know about like y'all, I don't I'm a parent and and my child, like looking thinking of where my child was developmentally at twelve years of age, and then applying this kind of principle to it. Like it's horrifying to me as a parent today.
2: Mm-hmm. I, I don't have kids, but I work with kids, and I work with 12-year-olds, and the thought of having a child that young think that they have to carry the responsibilities of an adult is just, it's horrifying.
1: And I think, I always, like, I think our cultures did raise us to grow up too soon and assume responsibilities, you know, sooner than mainstream society because the kids that I encounter now, some of them don't even have that type of the same responsibilities that we might've had or like at those Mm -hmm. ages, even when they're like close to graduating high school or are graduated from high school. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just right. The culture is so different. Not that it's right.
0: All right. So Hinda says, in a comment, we learned that puberty is normal. It can have ups and downs. Your body changes. Hormones change. You have different feelings. You're developing to be an adult one day. Totally a normal part of life. But you're not an adult yet. And this booklet gives the idea. It says, this is the time when you are changing from being a boy to becoming a man. And... It likens it to, what do we call it? Treacherous bends in the river. Dark, angry, foam-flecked waters that can overturn a canoe very quickly. When in fact, it's just a natural consequence of being human. Like, you're you're going to have physiological changes in your body. Mm -hmm. And the other part that I want to point out that really stuck out to me, both into a girl of 11 and, and into a boy of 12, there's these parts where they talk about things like they do go in depth about a boy's voice changing. Okay. Um, But where they talk about this part, this part. They go into detail about how um, maybe you've wondered what the proper words or terms are for the private parts of your body. As Mm -hmm. a little child, your parents may have called your penis a pee-pee or some other informal term. There is certainly no harm in that. But as you grow older, you will feel more comfortable and sure of yourself, depending on the circumstances, if you know the proper language to use. For example, it is not often that anything goes wrong with a boy's sex organs, but it is sometimes necessary to have a doctor examine them. Okay, like that part of that is actually good because it is sometimes necessary. However, Mm -hmm. you know, this whole, like, it is not often. Have y'all ever coded for the ED? have y'all ever (laughs) coded for the ad i'm I'm just saying i'm a medical coder i have been i'm a certified medical coder i'm a certified medical auditor i have been doing that for over 10 years and i'm just saying to me it feels like it is not often it's kind of misleading to boys Hmm. i i wouldn't say that it is not often i would just say that you know, it can happen.
2: Yeah. But
0: then it, they tell them, well, you want to be, at least be familiar with the words he will use to describe the parts of your body. Okay. As we mentioned previously, the finger like org, organ you urinate from is your penis, pronounced with the long E. What, Jessica? What? I...
1: Yeah. Well, they should have already known that. First yeah. Of all. They, yeah. Like 12 years old, you don't know. That's already, like, I think it should be taught. I think the proper name for genitals should be taught to everyone um, from mm-hmm. like before they can even talk
0: because you should. You should know. Your you body should body. know. Right. Okay. Below your penis and between your legs hangs a sac-like organ <laughs> that is your scrotum. The roundish lumps inside the this loose-hanging sac are your testicles. Did we see that amount of detail about... What people typically see as AFAB. I was thinking the same thing when I was
1: reading it, and I didn't take the time to go back and compare. But I was like, I don't recall them giving as much information as they're giving the boys about their, you know, about the girls' bodies. I thought that was interesting. I was thinking,
2: I was thinking about it well, too. They- I think these are books written by a man, right? Yes. So he probably felt uncomfortable even talking about it.
0: Well, they talked about the uterus. I have the booklet right here to a girl of 12. Um, They talked about the uterus. They talked about the ovaries. But as far as like the external genitalia of what people typically uh, associate with AFAB people... I don't see any detail, but I don't, I can't find details about that. Like that doesn't seem to like, we're not talking about the vagina, the clitoris, the um, vulva. We're not talking about that. And those are all medical terms, by the way. Mm
1: -hmm. Right. Because, and they matter. Like when you're going, if you're trying to explain to your doctor, you know, something that's going on with, your body and you don't know the proper terms not only that but knowing the proper names for things is proven to prevent sexual assault or at least at least like be able to tell
0: someone and someone know what you're talking about yeah it's proven to assist children in reporting it. It's yeah. proven to assist adults in reporting it or to even seek access to resources if they have experienced sexual abuse or sexual assault.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That, yeah. that is critical because then they have the language to be able to communicate appropriately. So now we have boys having all of this language around the external genitalia but I also want to point out, before we go to this comment, I also want to point out something else that is very much uh, a a big deal to me. So when they sit here and they clearly define boys and girls as such, where is there space for intersex people to exist within Amish communities and the reason that I ask this is because I know Amish children or Amish genetically Amish children even that are intersex they are born with with maybe they have like you know different characteristics and what people would typically assume would be male or female Mm-hmm. where is there space for those babies to exist? And if you are taught this and then you grow up and you end up having a child with a genetic defect, which is what they consider whatever, whatever, all of those things, we have a whole genetic database. Like when when we grow up and we have a child who happens to have genitalia that fall outside of that definition, where do where is there space for those children and adults to exist yeah because if somebody has a penis and uh, ovaries that person is intersex
2: Mm -hmm. it wasn't even mentioned in either book
1: But i also think we know what they what typically happens is that a sex or gender is assigned to them and Mm -hmm. then they're expected to present as that for the rest of their life and they don't there's no space
0: for anything else and they're not supposed to exist but Really, if you go back to the biblical definition, like, you know, everybody is born in God's image and light, right? Like, so why um, can't we have space for people who, who maybe don't necessarily fit into your definition of assigned gender norms? Furthermore, because of the fact that we have been intermarrying our second and third cousins for almost 400 years, what has happened is we have certain recessive traits that have taken over. I mean, like shoot, you probably can't see it now, but I have like a mustache that grows like a like a full on. I don't take any HRT, nothing like that, but I have like a mustache. I also have hair on my chest that shouldn't be growing, but I digress. What do I know? Again, I just ask, where is there space for us to exist? Anyways. Anything else you want to say about that?
1: Um, Back to, you know, saying that Jessica's comment about being referred to as a man or an an adult. I do Mm -hmm. remember being told um, once I got my period, I was a woman. And so I think it's the same thing, you know, where you're treated like, and I remember the only thing is like, I'm grateful that I wasn't scared about it, like my mom made it seem like it was <laughs> exciting to become a woman, and so I was excited about it, which is weird now, but um <clears throat> I think that that is how we were raised, so, you know, and I think I pointed that out in one of our the other books, how they talked or maybe it was a post somewhere, but Somebody talked about a 13 year old being on the cusp or being a man, and I'm like, no, let them be children. Yeah, They're children, we're children. I mean, so, I even consider 18 to 21 year olds. I call them little baby adults because, like, technically, our society considers them adults, but you're not, and
0: you're not. You're adults.
2: not you're not
0: fully developed like your brain hasn't finished development <coughs> until about age 24 right like average mm-hmm. yeah. 24 to 26 right mm-hmm. so when you're not fully developed like lucy says in her comment it's kind of like the roles are being reversed children being spoken of as developmentally mentally older and more mature than they are and robbed of a healthy childhood and parents failing to protect them yes and then there's the part where you become pre- identified because now you're this age now you're responsible for this and this and this and this and this especially when you have ten,
1: so many kids and we've already talked at some point about you know how <clears throat> older kids are expected to help with the younger kids
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I can't speak for anyone else's community but I know in the one community that we were a part of there was a family who, the dad, I think he was in some sort of accident. I don't remember, but he passed away. And then the oldest child, who could not have been older than 13 or 14, felt the responsibility to become the man in the house. And he was literally a child. And I think that's just, he missed out on so much of his childhood because he felt that on his shoulders, that he had to become a man and, like, no. you know, run the household I think that's such a shame
0: when uh when my um father was killed in that accident uh, as soon as my brothers were like a certain age they were expected to go out and work I mean they were like 14 years old and they were out in dangerous occupations like like being a, a a person who cuts down trees. I know there's a word for it. I can't think of the name, but they were running like chainsaws to cut down trees and loggers.
2: Oh my goodness.
1: That's not, that doesn't seem smart at all.
2: Look at barely, barely big enough even to like be tall enough to use that equipment, much less do it safely. Yep. That's uh that,
0: that was a, what they expected of them. You know, but it's one of those things where, again, they're they're parentifying the children in that case. They're taking away their childhood completely and they're expected to work and work and work and work. And they turn it into this whole thing where it's like there's no place for those children to even have a childhood anymore. Right. They have adult responsibilities, and this is in lieu of going to high school, right? Like, how can we sit here and justify this? Why is it acceptable for some of the children in America, but not for the rest of them? Please enlighten me.
2: Yeah, I think any typical English family would have been horrified if a 13-year-old felt like he had to shoulder the family business. Like the kid in my community, like that's just not, you don't hear that. And I think your typical English English family would have been horrified. Yeah.
0: So that's, that's part of it. That's part of why this booklet this booklet specifically is what it is. Now, they do also tell tell them, they tell boys, that a girl also has ovaries, two of them, and a uterus. So they know that girls have uterus, a uterus and ovaries if they're learning about this. They also talk about the womb, okay? But again, there's no mention that I can find of, like, the external what people typically see as AFAB genitalia. Mm -mm. Did y'all see anything? Like, did I miss anything? I don't think (laughs) it
2: was ever a mention.
0: But we do learn about sperm. Mm -hmm. I did enjoy that description. They're tiny wiggling cells, much too small to see by the naked eye. Because these sperm are so small, your body surrounds them with a cloudy, sticky liquid called semen to keep them alive and to help them travel. Lovely. <laughs> Have y'all ever heard such a description? Because I <laughs> haven't quite heard that. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning, Chicover. No, I hadn't quite heard that. They do talk about how, um, you know, the ovaries produce an egg and inside the father's body, the testicles produce sperm. And they say only if the egg and sperm come together, can a baby begin to grow. This cannot happen accidentally or carelessly. (laughs) What what y'all think? Also, there's a whole like sentence that really annoys me. God took such special precautions because it is important that a baby does not begin to grow unless it has both a father and mother who are united in a happy marriage to care for it when it is born. God placed such a high value on a little human life that he did not want a single woman to be able to make an egg grow, nor a bachelor. He knew it would not be fair to that child to be born into a world without the love and care of both a father and a mother. Okay, where does that leave your widow's children and your widower's children? Please tell me where that leaves those children.
2: That part, like, I... I took notes all over that part. Like that made me so angry. It leaves absolutely no room, none. But it also stigmatizes that child as they grow up. Like there's a space for them to exist as anything, but like, mm, I don't even have words for it, but it was horrible. There's no space for that child.
0: And it's almost like your parents did something wrong. And so if you're listening to teachings that say the sins of the parents rest on the children, then it's your fault. You're carrying your parents' sins. And then he goes on to say, they wrote about the sin of fornication, which is when sexual union occurs outside of marriage. This is a shameful thing to do. So contrary to God's plan that surely angels must weep when it happens. And even if no egg is fertilized, fornication is still a very great sin. Um, you know, um, when, when somebody is sitting there and sexually abusing Somebody else that is like not their um, partner. We're still calling it fornication. Furthermore, it gives this idea that once you are married to somebody. It's not a sin. Doesn't matter how violent it is or how much it harms the person. It's not a sin.
2: And I thought that was really telling, too. Throughout the whole book, (coughs) basically, what I got, and I'm a full-grown adult, I can't imagine what a child would think reading this, but what I got was the boy or the man has all of the power, and the woman's body and the woman's autonomy, she's a means to an end. Yeah, And like I just kept, I kept seeing that throughout the entire book. There's never a mention of her autonomy. She's just a means consent. to.
0: There's never a mention of like consent. Mm-mm. I don't see any teachings in this booklet about consent.
2: Nope.
0: Because there aren't any. <laughs> Kinda wants to know, what about a young woman who is S8 and has the baby? Well, like we said, there's no space. Mm-hmm. There's no space. There's also this part of this booklet, when I move on through it, where it says, Satan does not want you to grow up to have pure and clean thoughts. So now we're bringing in a third entity to place blame shift. This is blame shifting, y'all. He will set many traps for your feet. One of these traps is the sin of masturbation. Many people call it self-abuse. This is the sin of turning to your own body for sexual enjoyment in a way that your seed passes from you. Where do you even begin? (laughs) Literally. in a way that your seed passes from you. So if you go and you rape somebody and you do not ejaculate, now it's not a sin? Is that what you're teaching boys? Pretty
2: much. I mean,
0: isn't it pretty normal for people going through as children, when children go through puberty, isn't it pretty normal for them to be curious? It's healthy developmentally for them to, um,
1: yeah, for them to experiment that way with their bodies and learn
0: what, you know, that feels good. You know, this okay. doesn't feel good. I don't like this. This is not what I want to do. Like, also it's healthy for them to have open conversations about sex, yeah. about mm-hmm. how to have safe sex, about how to have consensual sex. And what it, is it, consent?
2: <clears throat> Kids need safe spaces and safe people to be able to ask those things without the shame. And this book is just shame, heaped on shame, heaped on shame. There's never a point where it's, it's normal and healthy to actually talk about these things and to question these things and, and to have normal questions about it. It's just a lot of shame. And then
0: the author goes on to say, Satan may also try to tempt you if you are a farm boy by suggesting impurity with animals.
2: At what you know, point right. does that become normal?
0: And then he talks about being stoned in the Old Testament for that. But today we don't stone people for that. But impurity with animals cheapens and demeans the wonderful plan God has for you and your body. It will leave you feeling very bad about yourself and the regrets for such actions will follow you not only for weeks and months, but even for years. I I just have one question. And it's directly to the author. You know, you seem to know a lot about what it feels like to be impure with animals and how long it can affect you. Where did this information come from? Do do you have personal experience? I'm going to shut up now. (laughs) Maybe we should write an open letter to the author. Maybe we should. I'm, I've i been thinking about it. I, I have questions.
2: When was this published even? Because this has been around forever. It doesn't even have a date.
0: It doesn't tell you when it was originally published, but it says it was reprinted in 2020. Mm-hmm. I just want to know why the author knows so much about impurity with farm animals.
2: That part. Do you have something you want to talk about?
1: And I don't know where else it's normal for someone to even say those words than these communities. Like, and, and, it's not something I've ever heard of in the real world. That's for sure. Like, now, no. yes, there are instances when people abuse animals and a sexual Yes, of course. Yes. But it's never discussed as, like, um, have you checked to see if your teenagers are getting it on with the animals? Like, right? No, like, like they don't talk about that. teenagers that they might be getting it on with.
0: Well, <laughs> like, and,
1: that's weird to me. That's so and, weird.
0: And also, he's saying that about like farm boys only. Like he's singling out farm boys only because there's there's other professions within Amish communities besides just farms however here's here's my point that I just want to bring out real quick is that Even if you don't live on a farm, which I did not live on a farm in multiple instances and for years as an Amish person, when I was actively Amish, and we still had animals because we had horses, we would drive to and from to go places like we still we still had we had a cow we had like a goat we had, we had animals. Mm-hmm. So why are you singling out farm boys? Do you have a theory? Because maybe he was a farm boy who had <laughs> inclinations <laughs> of impurity towards animals. But again, I'm beating a dead horse now. We're we're going to move on, unless y'all got more to say about it.
1: No, the only thing I can, the only thing that thought that i had was like <clears throat> animals are the perfect victims because they can't speak out so i don't know if that's like you have i mean i have theories on why <clears throat> it happens in these communities but um i don't know if that's really the topic that we're on today so i uh, won't have rabbit hole but yeah
0: we're, we're we're just talking about this booklet to a boy of 12 written by an anonymous Amish minister, y'all. And if we any know, former boys
1: we, <laughs> um, we, we, yeah. would like to speak to their experience of being a boy of 12 and having this stuff, you know, yep. we hear it.
0: So. We'd, be, we'd be happy to host another podcast where we talk about it with you or we where you we'll. get to share. We get to interview with you. We would love to elevate your voice. You would love that. So, Anyways, so here's the thing is throughout it all, like Satan is brought in as this entity, this outside entity, which is completely blame shifting. It's telling 12 year olds they're not capable of controlling their own behaviors. Mm -hmm. So that in and of itself is harmful to men. It is harmful to boys. You can't, you can't tell, like you're basically um, demonizing boys. You're, you're, Mm -hmm. you're, you're treating them like they're animals. Right, Which so, is
1: right on brand. So, you know, with the, uh, you know, we blame women, we blame Satan, we blame anybody but ourselves.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you start asking for accountability, what could that look like? And part of what that could look like is start teaching your boys that they are capable of controlling their own behaviors. Start teaching your children as a whole, what are their private body parts? And I don't mean just the finger-like organ that is called a penis. I mean talking openly with your children about their own genitalia, including the vagina, the clitoris, and the vulva, including all of the components of their genitalia including the fact that sometimes babies are born with differences and that can come out in puberty even even if they don't catch it when the baby is born during puberty or when they get married and they can't have children. Like sometimes that's a reason why they can't have children because of the fact that the person may be intersex. Mm-hmm. But we have more. We have more. I'm just. I'm just There's always more. Lori, did you read page seventeen?
1: I read all the pages, but.
0: Like. Well, well, when you start on page sixteen, where he talks about we live in a day when magazine racks are full of filthy books and pictures that are sexually arousing. These are designed to give impure thoughts. And if we look at them or read them, we can depend on it that they will do what they are designed for. So again, we should shy away from such things as though they were poison, which they surely are. Because again, no man, no AMAP person can control themselves.
2: And that one, I, I had feelings about that one because I distinctly remember when we would go to stores, my mom would go to the the magazine racks and she'd flip all the magazines backwards so that not only could her boys not be tempted, but other boys might not have to see all of that.
0: Oh, your mother was so pure <laughs> and holy right there.
2: Oh, still my does. God. Honestly, she probably still does it.
0: <laughs> so why are we, why is the focus on we're gonna protect our boys from this rather than teaching them bodily autonomy, consent, right. ownership of their actions.
1: Right. And that it's normal to have, you know, to be aroused or you know, like but they're normal there are ways that are healthy to, you know, respond to that and how we treat women with respect. or anyone that we're going to be involved with
0: yeah yeah I think that's really important because uh, somebody has a thought here's a thought Hinda says (laughs) don't rape someone I mean it's just a thought it's a, a strongly suggested thought don't rape someone
2: such a novel thought
0: though. Wow. Such a novel idea. It is such a novel idea. Um, now I want to talk about this next part, and and then I've got nothing else about the book. I'm just gonna read this passage in its entirety. It is vomit worthy, vomit inducing. I'm I'm gonna give a content warning for sexual abuse of children and misusing certain things. So, shall we go? Victim-blaming, also victim-blaming content. Satan likes to twist and destroy the things that God created for a good purpose, and he has been so successful today that it is necessary for us to mention here the sin of sodomy. The name of his this sin comes from the story in the Bible about the evil desires of the men of Sodom in the story of Lot. Remember how the men of the city came to Lot's house that evening. The two angels were there. These men were homosexuals. A homosexual is a person who is attracted sexually to a person of the same sex, a male to a male, and a female to a female. Such a desire is not even natural. It is a perversion. These perverted men wanted Lot to give out the visiting men so they could abuse them in a sexual way. The Bible teaches us that this is a great sin and it brought destruction upon the city of Sodom. As you can learn from the story of Lot, the sin of sodomy is nothing new. But it seems that in the world today, homosexuals are becoming more and more bold with their sin you need to be aware. Sometimes evil homosexual men lust to be able to abuse in a sexual way the body of a young boy. Do not trust a man you do not know, and never consent to go with him in his car or to his house. And if any of your friends make advances to you that do not seem quite right in this regard, be careful. You may go through life and never personally meet up with the advances of a homosexual person, but then again, you may not be so fortunate. It is good for you to be informed of it so you can be on your guard. And if you yourself ever feel a sexual attraction to another boy or man, resist resist such thoughts from the start and never cultivate any such feelings, if you find that such temptations continue to trouble you, talk this problem over with your parents or some other adult person you can trust to help you. If Satan cannot get you to do wrong, he may try to make you feel guilty about things that are not wrong and which you are not responsible for. One, if you actually read the Bible, that is not the reason that brought about the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm about tired of hearing that. I'm about tired of seeing the consequences of that. That is not the reason. Number two, when we read to a girl of 11, we don't hear anything about homosexuality. Nope. Not a single word. Thirdly, there is no conversation at all in any of these books that there can be female perpetrators of essay of children. Or FSA, there can be female perpetrators. Fourthly, when you talk about homosexuals and you you label them as these evil homosexual men, if that child is actually in fact gay or queer, LGBTQ of any sorts. They are already disproportionately targeted for child sexual abuse. There's legitimately been research out that has shown this for a while now. And what that means is there's a higher rate of children who are different children who are disabled, children who are differently abled, children who are neurodivergent, children who have, like, they struggle with anxiety, depression, etc. All of that makes you more of a target and more likely to experience child sexual abuse. Let's also talk about the fact that when you say, do not trust a man you do not know, that gives the implication and fails to recognize that most of the perpetrators of child SA are people that we know, people that we live with, people that we trust in our communities. Right. Which they did kind of do. Um,
1: they did. We also talked about that with a girl, to a girl of 11. Not the, they didn't bring in the homosexual part, but they, mm-hmm. they um, made it seem as if they should be afraid of the, the outside world. world.
2: Right. It's, it's the, the outside world. people.
1: Not only that, but I, um, I watched the documentary last night about the Boy Scouts, um, the sexual abuse. Yeah, it's on Netflix. It's new, I think. Um they did a, it was really good. Um, and they quoted a statistic that I think they said 95% of um, children who are, or of, um, uh, I'm going to mess it up, but men who sexually assault boys are straight
0: men, not gay men. Because people, I want to point out something else. When we talk about child sexual abuse, we need to get one thing straight. To go around and calling any perpetrator of child sexual abuse a pedophile, and this is a pet peeve of mine because I'm a medical coder and auditor, to call any perpetrator of child sexual abuse a pedophile is incorrect. Why? Because pedophile, pedophilia, is actually a medical definition. And that implies that every single person who offends against children does so because they experience sexual desire of children. Mm -hmm. That is a lie. Where do you have space for the perpetrators that legitimately talk about, well, my wife wouldn't give it up, so I just took it from my child? Yeah. And like you said, the straight men who are offending against boys because it's a crime of opportunity and power and control rather than actually experiencing sexual attraction to children. So can we just start talking about it as it is, which is, it is a violent crime. They are perpetrators of child sexual abuse and to label them all as pedophiles is really incorrect. And also this, this this stuff
1: is, it, it creates, um, you know, it's othering, and it, it creates hatred and fear of gay people, which is so, I mean, we don't have to look very far to see that in our culture, what's going on currently, but it's not okay, and it comes from this type of stuff.
2: It, it really, as I was reading it, it made it seem like, <clears throat> they're really trying to make, not just the boys, but probably everyone just terrified of people that are homosexual yeah. and like a big scary monster that's gonna come out the closet and get you. Yeah. And I think that's horrible, especially if the child is aware of their own sexuality and things like that. Like, I can't imagine how a boy would feel if they read this and they were gay or LGBTQ. I mean, it's horrible.
0: I know how it feels to be the child who tells their parents, I'm going to grow up and marry a woman.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. I I was under the age of five probably, but I know how it feels and I know the consequences of that. And I wouldn't wish that upon anybody. There are no words to describe what ensued in the next 15 years. And I would just say that when you start pretending that you are better than because you happen to be straight because you happen to fit in with the status quo you are in fact like perpetuating issues you're not any better than mm-hmm. there is no one that is any better or any lesser lesser than you're, who who you're sexually attracted to one it's not a choice and two, if you believe in the divine plan and you believe that everybody was meeting God's own image and light, then I'd ask you, are you questioning God? When you sit there and you say that we are unnatural, and yet you see all these examples of animals who also are homosexual, let's, let's just really talk about what is unnatural. Because isn't it a sin to question God? And yet, you have the audacity to come in and say that if I'm made in God's own image and light, I am an abomination. Please call me an abomination. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I'm petty. Today I'm petty It is what it is. But no, I've been called an abomination and I've been told, like, don't look at the (laughs) lesbians on the corner because they're sinning. Like when you try to erase us, when you try to pretend that we are lesser than the dirt beneath your doorsteps because we happen to be gay, that Mm -hmm. says more about you than it does about me. And I really question the part of the Bible that tells you it is a sin to question God. i digress what do i know because i was a i couldn't possibly read and comprehend the bible so i'll i'll just leave this all to you y'all got this right
2: (coughs) and like i just i want to talk about that shame too because i don't know what it's like to be born male i don't i don't know what that experience is like but i know for myself that i'm in my mid-30s and i'm still crawling out of that shame I am. Because from a very, very young age, I knew these things about myself. I knew I wasn't attracted to boys. My mother knew. And the heavy shame that was just laid on from such a young age before I even knew what it meant. I'm turning 35 and I'm still crawling out of that. So like that does such damage to a child.
1: It was turning those magazines for you too, from you too.
2: That's that's know. the <laughs> real
0: story.
1: <laughs> she was
0: protecting your 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 purity. Protecting mm-hmm. your purity. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. But the shame. So the thing yeah. about shame that I've encountered is that for me, I had to find peace with like who I was as a person. I had to accept that this is who I'm attracted to. Mm-hmm. And to get there. I had to navigate through and process and sort out the ensuing 15 years. And, and I'm saying this as like, you know, there is hope. Life can get better. Life can be better. You can feel more at peace with everything. But it is a fucking journey. It is yes. a journey, and that shame can cripple you if you if you allow it. It can cripple you when you feel completely alone. And furthermore, every time you tell your stories, sometimes like you can get people who will help you because sometimes just telling your story can feel like you're a little less alone or just talking about the shame or talking about the grief that comes with it, talking about the alienation, and how much the shame can be crippling you as you walk through life trying to make sense of the aftermath. All of that, all of that is a lot to work through. But sometimes when you speak up, people might be willing to help you carry the burden. Not necessarily carry your burden for you, but they walk with you. They give you space they give you safety, and that is a critical component of being able to sort out what we experienced is having the safety to, to figure out and process what happened to us, how it affected us then, how it's affecting us now, and are there other tools that we wish to employ that maybe are healthier than the ones we've historically used to manage the consequences of what we experienced. don't everybody say anything all at once (laughs) I mean we we got about four minutes do y'all want to hear about my dream last night
2: yeah yeah
0: it's kind of fun so I um, had this dream about taking my child out To my community of origin. The last one that I lived in. And how. I. uh, I uh, went by the old farm. And. um, The people at the old farm. Were kind and sweet. They talked me into going to the dry goods store. So we went to the dry goods store. And like a miracle. The bishop's wife showed up. (laughs) And somehow. I ended up talking about like this. And. There was about a dozen women from the community of origin there. And, um, you know, the bishop's wife said, we didn't do that. When I said, y'all put me in the bond and practice mito. Mighty- I said, oh, yes, you did. And furthermore, your husband was a bishop, so he was a large part of it. I talked about the funeral and the ways in which they further treated me. And a woman who looked like my aunt told me to be silent. I said, that would be convenient. Then you could pretend your son didn't rape me. Also, y'all have no idea how to treat someone who has experienced trauma like that. And it shows even today. So maybe, just maybe, y'all need to learn better. But to tell us to forgive and be silent about it is not helpful and not, in fact, something to tell anyone who has experienced this. And then I reconnected with an old co-worker from my current job who just magically showed up and showed compassion. Mm-hmm. Apparently, she was now serving my former community, and she was having a rough time. We went outside, we caught up, we visited, we talked about how to serve people who pretend that the worst ideas to support survivors are the only way to treat survivors. And then I woke up. <laughs> Happy
1: Sunday! <laughs> wow! You get away from this stuff in your dreams.
0: I can't. Like it's a consequence of what I live with. So how do I manage it? Well, I talk about it sometimes. When and also this is fucking hilarious. <laughs> Think about it. In my psyche, I said, "Oh, no, we're not going to do that here
1: today." You did the things you couldn't have done back then. <laughs> Yeah,
0: and I did all of the things. Talk You're about right, inner boy. child work. <laughs> Say what? It's kind of powerful.
1: Yeah, talk about doing inner child work.
0: <laughs> but I didn't want to do this. Why do I have to do this? Like I didn't, I didn't ask to do this. It just came about in my dreams. Guess I should have been crocheting more. Maybe that would have shut my lips. Dipped them up. Okay. What? <laughs> Lori, I see the wheels turning in your head. Say it. Just 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 spit it out.
1: <laughs> no, I was just thinking like, you know, cause like you do this work every day and like I feel like you need respite in your dreams, but no, instead you're well, obviously I know when you're dreaming you're you're processing
2: things mm-hmm. about
1: your, you know, about your day and things, and obviously that's like on your mind a lot. So at least in your dream, you got to say what you would want to say to those people.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it made me laugh. But anyways, do y'all have any messages you would like to give our listeners before we end this? No, other than I would
1: love to hear from men who experienced, you you know, like I know what it's like was like to be a girl and You know, I know what it was like to experience purity culture from that perspective, but I don't know as much because not as many guys speak out about how it affected them. So I don't know as much and I would love to hear a male's perspective someday.
0: Yeah, I would too. I would too. I think, um, you know, if there is anybody who would like to be interviewed about this book, um please reach out. We would love to have you join us and, and have a conversation about your personal experience because at the end of the day, like we can talk about it. It's just our perception and we did not experience it. We don't know exactly how deep the harm goes or, you know, we might have missed things that yeah. you would absolutely know. So I would encourage you, if you feel like you're in a place where it could benefit you or it could be helpful for you to be able to speak, please reach out, shoot an email, send a message to any of us. Um, Jess is on Instagram and TikTok. Lori's on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. And there's, of course, the YouTube channel. Or just drop a comment. Like We would love to, and we would be honored to host your voice on this platform. And also, you know, life can be a hot mess sometimes, but sometimes we just got to jump the gun. We got to go do what we got to do. So I'd encourage each of you to go out and live your best damn lives despite everything. You deserve to live a healthy, happy, and whole life. And I'd like to thank all of our listeners. And I would also like to thank our Patreon subscribers for helping us bring you this program today. Thank you. And I'd like to thank Lori and Jessica and even Stephanie, even though Stephanie couldn't join us today for having all these conversations about the books because the books need to be discussed. I am really grateful for that today. That is my gratitude. Have a good day.